Welcome to LiveTrader.com podcast. The content here is for informational purposes only, should not be taken as legal business text or investment advice, and be used to evaluate any investment or security, or be directed to any investors, potential investors, and LiveTrader fund. For more details, please see LiveTrader.com forward slash disclosures. All right. Today, we are joined with Sari Ibrahim, financial consultant, health and life agent who helps high net worth individuals, real estate investors, business owners, and retirees grow and protect their wealth predictably and safely by banking on yourself. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the ins and outs of banking on yourself, aka the infinite banking concept, including investment and tax benefits, asset protection, the requirements, and who should consider this strategy. So Sari, welcome to the show. Hey, Terrence, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Sari, tell us more about the ins and outs of banking. Um, you know, if I plan to invest in real estate, how should I start? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'll start off by talking about the infinite banking concept or the bank on yourself concept. For those of you who are not familiar with this concept, it is the utilization of dividend paying whole life insurance issued by a mutual insurance company. So what that means is you own a whole life insurance policy that's issued by a mutual insurance company, not a stock-owned insurance company. And with this whole life insurance, uh, it has pretty much two functions or two purposes. One, one function is it has cash value use that you could use just like a savings account kind of. And then the other function is life insurance. So if something were to happen to you, your beneficiary, whoever you have listed would get the, that, that money. Uh, now, what kind of is intriguing about this is that you could use this for real estate investing and for other purposes. Um, you could use it for business investing in your business or real estate, whatever you want. There's no restrictions on what you could use that cash for. So the infinite banking concept is using the whole life insurance mainly for the cash use and capitalizing more on the cash use and being able to become your own source of financing. So pretty much you can go to yourself, you can go to your whole life insurance policy when you need money or when you have extra money to put back into it. So you can kind of, it has in and out privileges where you could put money in and take money out. That's pretty much. All right. So let's assume if I have about two or three life insurance policies and mm -hmm. every single month I'm contributing about, you know, a few hundred dollars on those life insurance and it's worth um, about a million dollars. How can I leverage on this concept they mentioned about, you know, infinite banking concept? to invest in real estate. Yeah, definitely. So every dollar that you put into the life insurance policy, it has to be structured the right way. It has to be from the right company, the right amounts and the right product. So every dollar you put into the policy, a portion goes towards the cash value and then a portion goes towards the death benefit. And there's different ways to fund the policy. You could fund it monthly, annually, or you could do like single premium policies, which I've seen that are very, are very attractive, where it's just a one-time single premium payment with no further contributions needed. For example, uh, I actually worked on this with a, with a client. He's a real estate investor. He sold one of his properties for $400,000 in cash. Um, and then he wanted to kind of park that money somewhere where he can earn interest on that money. He thought about CDs and money market accounts. But the problem is, of course, in the United States, you have to pay taxes on those gains, just like other places too. Um, and the gains are kind of, they're going to be kind of small, maybe like 2%, 2.5% every year. So he figured he could put that into a whole life insurance policy, earn about 5 to 6% every year on that money compound. And he would have instantly, as soon as he buys the policy with $400,000, 
he would buy two things pretty much. He would have a cash value use and then he would have life insurance. Instantly, he would have $375,000 in cash value and then he would have a death benefit of $580,000. So if something happens to him, his beneficiary would get $580,000 tax-free. That, um, that is very interesting. You know, if you're looking at, because we're coming from Wall Street background, if you're looking at finance, it's going to be leverage mm-hmm. on using instruments like options or futures, right? So when it comes to real estate investing, um, you know, you just laid out a concept about how investors can potentially buy a lump sum, um, you know, put in a lump sum into life insurance, like the example that you gave earlier, 400000 So, you know, um, give us a picture. Let's say if there's an investor that has 400000 in his bank account, what companies do you think he should be talking to? Putting this 400000 so he can use it to buy, let's say, two or three properties as a down payment. <laughs> Yeah, good question. So I think the, the, the first step is that you need to um, structure the whole life policy a certain way. Again, it has to be from a mutual insurance company. It has to be the infinite banking way or the bank on yourself way. It can't be just any whole life insurance from any company. It has to be a mutual insurance company. And you have to make sure that the policy has something called a paid up additions rider, PUA rider. And that rider, the part of the whole life insurance, that's what turbocharges the cash value. It supercharges the cash value part Without that rider, the cash value will grow very slowly. Um, so you want to make sure that it's a mutual insurance company, that you have the paid up additions rider. And then you also have the ability, the flexibility of being able to put money in and take money out as you want. The same way how you would put money in a bank, how you can put money in and take money out. That's how you want the whole life insurance policy to be. Uh, and we do work with a couple um, large mutual life insurance companies that have been around for over 160 years. And they've been paying dividends and uh, profits back to the policy owners for over 160 years, even during the Great Depression and during the 2008 market crash. Um, and, I, and I think the, my favorite thing about all of this is it's not just you know, putting your money in life insurance, it's the safety. Uh, so you can, you can fund the policy and then you could use the cash value in the policy for more aggressive and riskier investments. But, if, but you have a backbone to fall back on if, if things don't go in your favor, you have something to fall back on. And that is the whole life policy. All right, let's, now here, let's talk mm-hmm. about risk. Um, you know, in, in the stock market, it's all about risk and reward. So you mentioned about Great Depression and, you know, the the last recessions in 08, where mm-hmm. we have seen the financial crisis went full-blown. It was because, um, you know, people were borrowing too much money, investing about four or five properties that they, they couldn't afford. And, you know, as, a, as an investor, do you see a correlation between stock markets and real estate? Obviously, if you look at the stock market, it's a little bit diverging from reality right now. We've seen the amount of um, you know, jobless unemployment rate in, in the US and the stock market is still going up. And it's, um, you know, if you've seen this year, it's at its uh, all-time high. So the question is, if I were to invest in real estate now in 2020, is this a good timing or, you know, we're just seeing the start of uh, maybe it's going to be, you know, a reflection of the financial crisis in, in 08. So talk about correlation between the stock markets and real estate. And if I were to invest in, in uh, real estate in 2020, would this 
be a good time or you know, should I wait? I, I definitely think in terms of comparing to the stock market, real, comparing real estate to the stock market, I think that they are somewhat correlated. But I think that the, the, the real estate is slower to fall than the stock market. So if you, for example, have money in, invested in the stock market, you know, it's very possible based on your experience, it's possible for you to lose a large sum of money, you know, with, you know, from morning to, to lunchtime, you know, um, but real estate, it's more of a slower transition. If the real estate market is going to be hindered, um, you will have more of a heads up. Like you mentioned, you have certain uh, KPIs, key performance indicators like unemployment and employment rate. You'd have um, mortgage default rates, uh, what else? Uh, tax rates, interest rates. You have other indicators that are, that are solely climbing to indicate how real estate is going to do. So I think the difference is, so I do think they're connected and correlated, but I think that real estate has, gives you a more of a heads up than the stock market. I agree. If, you know, if, if you look at the stock markets um, for the past six or seven months, it's been going up and we had all time highs. And I mean, there's a disconnect, major disconnect between the unemployment rate in the U S and the stock markets. Let's talk about real estate. I'd be very interested to be investing in this. If let's assume that our listeners are starting out with about a hundred thousand, what is the best way to stretch every single dollar? And when will be a good timing for an investor looking to invest in, let's say a property in, in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. So I actually, I work with real estate investors and I help them utilize the infinite banking concept. So my advice would be to to apply, to first of all, to learn more about the infinite banking concept, to learn more about the bank on yourself concept and how you could connect that with real estate investing um, to kind of have something. So pretty much you have in one hand, you have the cash you want to use for real estate investing. And in the second hand, you have the property you're going to buy either a rental income property that produces monthly cash flow or uh, a property you plan to flip you plan to buy it at a certain rate and then sell it at a cer- uh, another rate to have a profit in between but i think in between taking that money from one hand to the next hand i think you should have a, a financial vehicle in the middle and that is the whole life insurance that you could fund and then borrow out because you need something in the middle that is not affected by market conditions because a lot of real estate investors believe that if, or a lot of business owners in general believe that if you have cash in your hand, that it's a waste of time and a waste of money for it to sit somewhere and not working, right? So you have to put it somewhere. That's why people invest in the stock market. That's why people invest in real estate. That's why they buy businesses is because the money has to keep moving or else you're going to lose opportunity costs. You're going to lose buying power. So you need to keep moving that money. But the, the downside to that is you put your money at risk. So you need something in between somewhere where your money is is still growing, it's still earning compound interest, but yeah, it's still usable. Now, in the same example that I mentioned earlier with applying $400,000 in cash uh, towards a whole life policy and then being able to borrow money out of it, let's say that my real estate client borrows $100,000 in cash from the, from the policy. Now, what happens is he's borrowing against the policy. So he's not subtracting from the cash value, yet he's borrowing against it. It's the same idea if you have a home that's worth $400,000, the market value, and then you borrow $100,000 from a bank, your home is still worth $400,000, but you just have an existing loan against it. Same thing in the in the sense of whole life insurance. You have uh, uh, the policy and then you borrow against it. Now, when you borrow against it, here's the interesting part. 
is that your money keeps growing. It keeps earning compound interest and dividends as if you've never touched the money. It's because the companies we use have a non-direct uh, recognition. That's, that's, that's a very interesting concept when, when you mentioned about compounding interest. Let's talk mm-hmm. about tax advantages and growth potential and how can our listeners leverage on the tax advantage based on compounding interest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, in, your, um, in your previous episode I listened to about leverage, uh, you talk about companies who have cash. Um, so they don't just have cash, of course. They have cash that sits in reserves and that those reserves earn compound interest. Now, in the sense of using whole life insurance as your company's uh, reserves, which you could do, you could use it for your personal reserves or for your company reserves, both for business purposes or personal purposes, however you want to structure this, but that's your cash reserves. And it, from a tax perspective, the growth of a whole life insurance policy in the United States grows tax deferred, meaning that in one year, if you have you know, $100 million in the policy, and then you earn 5% on that. So the next year you have $105 million, you don't have to pay taxes on that increase. If you go to take that money out, there could be taxable consequences and you want to consult with a tax professional, of course. But the growth, the value of the, of the policy growing does not, is not taxable income. And the policy is owned by the business. So in theory, your business is increasing in value without you having to pay taxes on those gains in the business. So you, it's a, it's, it sits on the balance sheet of a business. It's an asset that always climbs in, in power. It always climbs in value and it grows tax deferred. So, so if, if you're a beginner real estate investor, let's say I'm starting out you know, with a student dad and I'm 35 years old and you know, I, I still have about 20,000 debt to clear out. Would this strategy make sense to millionaires? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, I would ask millionaires, where's your cash living? You know, is your cash only living in, in assets? Um, it, it has to live somewhere. It can't just live in paper money or in the stock market. You need actual liquid cash. So I think that, and I think that the cash value of the policy is a true indicator of net worth, meaning how much cash you have in the policy is, a, is an indicator of net worth. So I think that it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the truest form of net worth is where your money sits and, and it grows for you. That's your indicator of your net worth. And what is the difference between no money down concept and the infinite banking concept? So I, I think that they're, they're kind of not connected. I think you could do both. Um, for example, if you were to leverage a property without using any money down, um, you could still own a whole life policy, but it's a matter of what, what happens after you sell the property or after eventually after you have to pay for the property. So I think there are two concepts that are not necessarily connected. One is using whole life insurance and the other one is using you know 0% uh, financing or down, 0% down payment on financing. Got it. So we mentioned about timing, we mentioned about tax advantages as well as growth potential and, you know, the most interesting concept would be compounding interest. How to minimize um, the, the tax that's going to be incurred if, let's say, we flip a property. So, you know, tell listeners how do they contact you or, you know, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they're interested in let's say buying a property, buying an, an insurance policy, the leverage on this concept you just mentioned this uh, podcast. Yeah, so listeners can go to finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. 
there's a link you can schedule a free appointment and we could do the appointment over the phone or over Zoom or over Skype, whatever is easier for you. Just indicate in the notes how you want that appointment to be done. And all my appointments are done virtually. So no need to meet face-to-face. And again, it's finassetprotection.com. All right. So thanks a lot for the interview. It's great to have you. And let's pick this up on the next session. Yeah, thank you, Terrence. Thank you, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Wall Street Secrets. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast, please subscribe to this to get future episodes. Consider the Live Trader Network. More than 1,500 alumni, more than 15 countries around the world. Find out more at tradeonwallstreet.com. Thanks for listening to the Live Trader Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating or comment on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Plus, you can get future updates for email and future shows, transcripts, video tutorials. Just visit our website at livetrader.com.